A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12- and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Shera, your host for today. I am joined by the vice president of Hometown Hero Outdoors, Chris Tatro. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. And I um, didn't even want to give a uh, sneak peek intro onto what Hometown Hero Outdoors is because um, it is such a special organization. I wanted you to kick us off with um, what Hometown Hero Outdoors does and how it um, is so essential part of our community. And um, why don't you give a synopsis to our listeners of what Hometown Hero Outdoors is? Yeah, so Hometown Hero Outdoors, you'll probably hear me refer to it as HHO here later on. Yes. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. We started in Minnesota in 2017. Our home base is out of Stillwater, Minnesota. And in the last, well, now starting our fifth year, we've expanded in 26 states. And our mission is to take uh, military service members, veterans, law enforcement, fire and emergency medical services into the outdoors. We like to think of it as outdoor recreational therapy where people are able to get together uh, like-minded individuals and be able to have good conversations and create bonds in order for them to enjoy the outdoors, but also help with their mental health. So uh, the outdoors is the vehicle that we utilize. Um, I, we all have a huge background when it comes to being in the outdoors and enjoying it when it comes to our board and our field staff volunteers. So uh, being able to share that experience with others and create those new friendships with everyone uh, in the event that they do come across a dark time or a hard time when it comes to any type of mental issues that they may be having, they can reach out and be able to go sit in a duck blind or jump in a boat and talk about those issues and we can help them work through it. Absolutely. And I um, had the honor of emceeing one of your um, banquets and fundraisers. Um, That was, what year was that? Was that last year? Yeah, it was this last March. That's right, last March. And um, after listening to the stories of those who have participated in some of the events and things that you do and how life-changing it is for them um, was really special. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the amount of stress, daily stress, that a lot of these people have faced for multiple days. And many of us that... Um, have a stressful day here and there, um, probably don't understand the amount of, of, you know, what that can do to your mental state of mind if you're in, in constantly in a state of stress day after day and what the outdoors does to heal those people. And just listening to their stories was, uh, made me realize that um, one thing that we all know is that nature heals, but also that what you guys do to provide this outlet for those people is so important. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today is to um, allow you to kind of share some of those stories and the why behind um, why you got involved as well. And um, so more people can um, A, support your foundation and just know that um, if they are also in need of something that you also um, are available to them. So what, you know, what was your purpose and reasoning behind getting involved with Hometown Hero Outdoors? Yeah, so previous to us beginning this organization, uh, we were with a different nonprofit that was strictly just for military uh, and veterans. And we volunteered with them for approximately eight months and they were not specifically from Minnesota. Um, Throughout those eight months, we got a peek behind the curtains, uh, asked some pretty tough questions. And we actually um, ended up talking to some legal counsel to see if we were doing things because we had people here volunteering time for an organization. So we just wanted to make sure that we were on the straight and narrow. And uh, we found out we weren't. 
Uh, so we did not like that. So we backed out of that organization and we said, well, we're not going to just discontinue helping others. So we need to figure out what we're going to do. And that's where HHO came to fruition in October of 2017. Uh, some of the, the other individuals that I had volunteered with, we all decided that we're going to get this going. We're going to start it up here. And then on top of that, um, we were going to spread it into law enforcement as well. So not only did we have it for the military service members and veterans, but we also put into our bylaws law enforcement if you're currently serving or retired. And the big reason for law enforcement was um, I'm law enforcement. I'm a state conservation officer. And uh, I understand that world. Um, I'm also former military. So being able to understand and see both sides um, of the professions, I think there's a lot of similarities, but also a lot of things that aren't. Uh, when it comes to mental health, there are things that military members may or may not experience stateside here where law enforcement do. It's our backyard. It's our home. This is where we live um, and having to engage in those situations. So that's why we went to law enforcement. Um, and then the big part, too, was with my my personal profession being a conservation officer. You know, um, we've had the ability and been fortunate enough to meet a lot of great people in the outdoor industry and individuals who want to give back. I can give you a handful of different names. We've got Brad Hawthorne, um, Tony Roach, um, Mike Verdea up on Mille Lacs. I mean, there's just a lot of individuals that are guides out there that said, you know, we see what you're doing. We want to help. And uh, having all these different resources and individuals who wanted to help our veterans, our military, and our law enforcement um, was very influential in us getting going and moving forward. And then um, one of the biggest things that we had discussed over the past few years was we wanted to expand to fire and EMS. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, over the course of the last few years, we've always discussed ex expansion, but we wanted to ensure that our mission was fine-tuned, well-oiled, and moving forward in the correct direction. Do we have the right policies and procedures in place? Have we been through the right trials and tribulations to expand? Do we understand the dynamics of fire and EMS? Uh, so over those two years, the answers were yes, and we did a lot of research, and we met with a lot of different people that were within those professions, and we understood that you know they they are confronted with a lot of the mental health issues that the other professions are as well. It's not that we didn't know that, but we also need to ensure that we're able to integrate them in the way that we could help them the best as, as we could. So, at the onset of this last October, last month, we expanded to fire and EMS. So we know that they've been through a lot, and they see a lot of things that. The other people do too, and we wanted to ensure that they were we were serving them as well. So it's it's been a huge change. Uh, there's a lot of work that occurs behind the scenes with all our volunteers. You know, we have over 140 volunteers in these 26 states, and no one makes a dime. Everyone volunteers their time, so it's been very rewarding. Uh, we've hosted over 3,000 people on these trips or adventures that we host. Um, we have over 11,000 members, and when we say members. If you fit in any of those categories in our bylaws, you're considered a member. There's no fees or anything like that. But um, we have a closed Facebook group page that we can probably get our most accurate assessment with people who actually follow us. And that's about 11,000 people in this closed group. And then uh, also through our website, which we just revamped about a year ago. And people are able to join our website to be a member there as well. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure you remember, but during the whole blackout of the Facebook and Instagram what was that like last fall? Yes, Everyone, I do remember that. Yeah, so during that time frame, a lot of our stuff was through social media, and that was kind of a weird time because we couldn't connect with our members. So that's when we revamped the entire website, so we were able to touch base with them. But yeah, that's that's the gist of the organization. Uh, a lot of good things happening, a lot of different trips that we can talk about. But um, yeah, that's that's my background, and um, I got a, a lot of good people around me that have big hearts. And. What do you see, you know, what is the change that takes place when you guys have a lot of different events um, from fishing events to pheasant hunting to um, sturgeon fishing? You even take people on hot air balloon rides, things outside of the normal scope of what, you know, just hunting and fishing. Um, you have a wide range of things that you offer people. And what do you see is the change? Like what is the change that you see with your own eyes when people get out into nature that um, really makes the impact that why this is so important? Oh, yeah, There's a lot of individuals um, in our membership that are very familiar with the outdoors and a lot of them that aren't. And you know, so there's a lot of skittishness when it comes to putting in their, their name to the hat to see if they get drawn for these trips. 
and uh, nervousness, um, trying to be around people you've never met before. Um, you know, you're used to having a very close, tight circle with people within your similar profession as you, is either sure. if you're veteran law enforcement or anything like that. But I think that people begin to stick their heads out a little bit further into the open, knowing that there's a lot of similar backgrounds and history that are going to be with them on these trips. And when they get out there and they realize that it's not a situation where we're kind of sitting in a circle talking about our feelings, mm -hmm. they get out in the duck blind or in the boat or even on an ATV trip or foraging or horseback riding, whatever it might be. But there's some camaraderie that begins to be instilled with these individuals and being able to cross-reference their experiences and realize that they're comfortable being where they are and then be able to enjoy the outdoors. And that adds a whole new element to everything because there's nothing worse than sitting in isolation on a couch or a chair in your own home and being in your own head. So once they're out there and they realize like, hey, this is this hits my reset button and this really speaks to me on what I can do to do something different to help my mental state. We receive emails almost daily about how the outdoors is really healing for individuals and they didn't realize how important it was to them until they went on one of our trips. So it's been very influential um, for many individuals and being able to create those bonds with those other people in order to have those deeper discussions later on if they need that help, because there might've been someone that they were on a trip with who's been through something similar or completely opposite. And then they just create this bond in order to figure out and talk through what they're going through. Is there a certain trip that you've done in the past that stuck out as the most impactful for you personally? Oh, so man, there's a lot of them, but I think the biggest one that it's still yet to come and it's been a long time coming and um, I'm excited for it to happen. And this one's gonna be the most impactful for me, I believe it, up to this point um, is the officer Eric Matson hunt. Um, you know, for mm -hmm. people who don't know, officer Matson was the police officer out of Wasika, Minnesota that was shot in the head a couple of years ago. And uh, we have a mutual friend, um, but I didn't realize how bad it was until we talked about it. And uh, I reached out and I, I asked Eric, I said, no, we're going to give you a trip of a lifetime. What would you choose? And Eric decided that he wanted to go on a, a King Eider waterfall hunt. And that's up in Alaska. So wow, took a lot of research, trying to figure things out. Um, you know, Eric's, uh, you know, getting shot in the head and bouncing back from that. It's not an easy task. Mm -mm. So there's been a lot of physical therapy um, over the past couple of years, but there's also been a lot of hiccups that's happened too, to include COVID. We were supposed to go up this last January, but that got canceled. The uh, The island was shut down due to COVID and we had to push it back another year. So we started planning this in October of 2020. So it's been a while. And this next January of 2023 is when we'll actually get to seal the deal for him and get him up to Alaska to go um, on a dream hunt. And essentially, uh, for the those who don't know, the King Eider is a pretty rare waterfall bird. It's kind of the, the unicorn for waterfall hunters. And they uh, travel across from Russia to, you know, across the Bering Sea and they do some uh, nesting and what's the right word? Migrating. Migrations. Thank you. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just had a brain fart. Uh, so, we all do. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> In January, they do their migrations and uh, they actually come across St. Paul Island. So if you've watched WS Catch or whatnot, that's the island that we're going to. Um, and then we're gonna go sit and lay out boats with Eric to get him this King Eider. Um, the cool part about it is that we're going with Charles Somerville. He's a pretty well-known guide up in the area. He's kind of the pioneer King Eider hunting. Uh, he's been doing it for 30 years and he is letting Eric bring a couple of people with, uh, one of it being his uncle, his uncle Paul was the one who introduced him to waterfall hunting. And then also his good friend, wow. Jeremy and Jeremy is a coworker of mine. Um, but they have known each other since college and they've been very close and do waterfall hunting together quite often. So not only does Eric get to go chase these birds, but he gets to experience that with two of the closest people in his life, which is pretty exciting. It's very cool. Our good friends at Connecticut. You already know how much my family loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home and just this summer added Connecticut water at the cabin. <laughs> What a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that darn sour cabin water. You know, that stinky, foul well water. 
After a really painless four-hour installation, we now have Kinetico soft water and also Kinetico's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. It's great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny, and Kinetico water cleaned up our showers and dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you and join the Kinetico family. Also, a big shout-out to the Minnesota Propane Association. Did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane, the right energy right now. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond Two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the roller dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic roller dock or the new ultra dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. Eric was at the banquet. Um, He was, yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's his life was obviously changed incredibly just in one evening. And, um, and to have, you know, this opportunity to do a trip of a lifetime is, um, I'm just so happy for him that he's able to, you know, go out and, do something he he passionately loves because um, the price that he had to pay I is I don't even know how to explain it. It's um, something that none of us would wor- wish on our worst enemy. So, right. Um, that's what is so impactful. And you don't when you when some of these people are you know you don't think of the stress or the things that they go through or the consequences or sacrifices that they have to make until you hear their stories personally or you meet them in person and then you understand, um, boy, what can we do just to brighten your day, your week or what have you, um, just for all the things that you've done to keep us safe and all the things that, um, that they sign up for and the risks that they take. So um, another person that stuck up to me and I remember forever is um, Dwayne Bell. Yeah, Dwayne. Yeah. Who is a World War II veteran. And he had um, quite an experience for his wish list. And do you want to explain what that was, which is totally different than uh, waterfall hunting? Yeah. So Dwayne is a World War II veteran. Um, I believe he's currently 98 years old. Yes. And he uh, formed still a sharp as a tack. Oh, super sharp. It's yeah. like, I, I hope I'm like that when I get older. But I, in fact, told Dwayne, I think he should emcee the, the banquet this year. And I hope he does. Oh, he stole the <laughs> show that night. <laughs> he did. And like, we're like, God, you know what? We're not going to have Dwayne talk, maybe a couple words. But then he just pushed Chris aside and just took over. <laughs> it was fabulous. But he yeah, had a really so, unique experience that you guys created for him. Yeah. So Dwayne's 98 World War II veteran. He's been a very uh, integral part of his community growing up, has a very large family and uh, created a different relationship with our treasurer, Chris Ehrman. Chris Ehrman is a uh, Iraq war veteran and he had met Dwayne uh, in passing when I believe Dwayne was selling candy bars for the Kiwanis Club. And Chris Ehrman saw his hat that he was World War II vet and they started talking. And uh, if anyone has met Chris Ehrman, you'll know that he's probably one of the easiest person to talk to and he will make friends with everyone. And so him and Dwayne began talking and having good discussions about their own experiences throughout life. And then, and then also about being veterans and the wars that they experienced and they became very close. So over time with their relationship and their friendship, uh, we asked Dwayne about what he would want to do. You know, what was something that would be really cool and unique to him? And he actually has a cabin up on Mille Lacs, you know, and we asked if we want to go out on a launch or go fishing. And that didn't really interest him or go grouse hunting, just several different things. 
and I ended up landing on a hot air balloon ride. And Chris Ehrman and Dwayne Bell got to go up in um, the POW hot air balloon. And that was a task within itself. For those who don't know, you know, you need perfect conditions for a hot air balloon. Um, So the conditions can change very rapidly and quick, and it makes it very difficult for uh, the hot air balloon pilots to uh, coordinate with whoever they're bringing up in the air that day. So Dwayne ended up being our uh, personal year due to his story last year for HHO. And uh, we wanted to showcase his life and what he's been through. And then also capture the moments when he got to go up in the hot air balloon. So him and Chris Ehrman did the hot air balloon ride up by St. Cloud. The original plan was that they were going to go fly over a music festival in St. Cloud they were going to announce that there's a World War II veteran and the balloon above them. And they were going to, you know, hopefully cheer. Um, but that whole got canceled due to the weather. And about three or four more times it got canceled due to the weather. And then they finally made it happen. And Chris said that it was the best experience he's ever had. Um, being able to watch Dwayne have this excitement and the ability to be up in the air and experience something so peaceful in his life and being at the AGs and being as sharp as attack and, said it was just, just a treat to be able to know Dwayne and be able to go do that. So yeah, that was, uh, we captured that all on a video. You know, if you check out our YouTube, you'll find that on there, but, um, yeah, it's, we get to do different things like that to help other people do things they normally wouldn't. And Dwayne's face was priceless. What is your YouTube channel? Cause I think, I mean, it really is touching if you watch this video of Dwayne. Yeah. Balloon. So if you go to, uh, the YouTube channel, it's hometown hero outdoors. It's, pretty basic um if you go to any of our social media on our facebook or instagram they're all linked on there through our link tree or or even our website go to hometownherooutdoors.org um all of the social media icons are up there just click on those but we have quite a few videos about different events that we have captured and people's stories and whatnot testimonials and a lot of different things and what are some of the events that you guys have coming up for 2023 Oh, so we just talked about the Offs and Matson's hunt. Um, we, we call that the legacy trip. Uh, we just, we're going to do one of those a year now. So we just opened up application process for the legacy trip starting yesterday on uh, November 1st. And individuals are able to apply. Either you can apply yourself or others can apply for you. Um, we're offering a trip of a lifetime to anyone who served within being military, law enforcement, fire, EMS. We're asking for the top three uh, experiences that they would want, either hunting or fishing in North America. And they have had to have been through something catastrophic within their career. So um, we want to be able to offer that to individuals. So that'll be the second legacy trip after Officer Eric Manson. Um, And we will be deciding that late next February cool part about that is officer Matson's going to choose the next person. Wow. So, that's cool. Yeah. So we still want the people who receive these trips to be involved in some capacity and be able to hand off the torch to the next person. Um, each of these also are being filmed with a documentary. Um, officer Matson will have a documentary coming out late in 2023. And then the, the next person, next recipient will receive a documentary from us as well. Um, On average, how many applications do you have come in for that? You know, this is the first application process that we put okay. out to the general public. So um, I've received a couple since yesterday. Um, so we're about to find out. Hopefully it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you you hope it's a lot and then you don't, you need to say catastrophic event happened to them. It's, I'm just, you know, curious if. Yeah, no, not a lot. It's not a lot, right? But I, I get yeah. what you're saying. You want people to know that this is available to them. Um, right, right. But, um. But it's it's a wonderful thing that you guys are doing. I mean, I was just curious on if it's well known or, and obviously we'll get the word out here that um, that it is available. And of course, there's all the other events that are available too. But uh, I was curious on if you had done this before, if there's lots yeah, of people signing up. Yeah, Legacy Trips is the first one. And again, like you said, you know, we we don't want a lot of applicants due to catastrophic stuff. But unfortunately, that's the that's the reality is there is a lot of individuals who have been through something catastrophic across this whole country. Exactly. You know, so I just want them to know about it and have the opportunity to put in for it. You know, if I could, if I could give everyone a trip, I would, you know, but um, going through the traditional route of applying for our, our events or trips is uh, 
a way for them to get into those without the legacy trip. And then they can continue to apply for the legacy trip. But um, other events that we have going on, there's a handful of different ones that happen throughout this, uh, the country. So in December coming up here, we have a youth deer hunt with a parent um, in T- uh, De Leon, Texas with our state director down there. Um, that's a, a group hunt where we have a bunch of uh, members come in with their children and experience uh, deer hunt in Texas. Very cool. Um, yeah, they can also go hog hunting and turkey hunting during the same time. That's um, coming up in early December. I'll be going to that one too. I usually like to go help out with everything there. We got a great team down there and I like to just go and lend a hand. Um, and then also to go say hi to our volunteer field staff too. Um, another cool one that we just completed actually was up in Maine. We just did a, a Maine moose hunt with one of our veterans with the Veterans Field Foundation. Um, unfortunately, didn't harvest a moose, but getting to meet the individuals, um, our veteran, and being able to experience that part of the country Beautiful, during a type it? of, Oh, it's amazing. You know, I never realized how much air culture Maine had when it came to broccoli and potatoes. That just kind of blew me away. Oh, I didn't know that they have broccoli. Is that their claim to fame in Maine? Yeah, they got a lot. Um, and the potatoes, um, from huh. what I understand, Maine used to farm 1 million acres of potatoes every year annually. And due to technology and, research and learning from the past, they've actually are able to produce as much potatoes as they would for a million acres of farm, but they do only half a million now and they can still produce just as much as they would at a million. Kind of interesting. How how cool is that? Yeah. So no. So yeah, this hunt was actually a depredation hunt. They do have issues with moose and damaging crops and whatnot. So their population is pretty high. Uh, so they have a cooperative hunt between the main fish and game, uh, the department of agriculture, and then the local guide there for that veterans field foundation that allows for them to have veterans come out who've been, uh, through something combat related issues to attempt to harvest a moose. Awesome. And then, um, you have some also events like locally here in Minnesota as well. Yeah, um, a sturgeon event. We do sturgeon events on the St. Croix River a couple times a year. Chris Herman, our treasurer, does that. Uh, you get to go out um, either on open water or during the hard water during the winter and chase sturgeon. Pretty cool fish to go after. And you guys um, just had that in, in October. How did that go? Really, really well. Uh, awesome. They ended up catching 80 sturgeon, I think, that night. Wow. Yeah, That's pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah. And they were one that was scored the record for length. I think they got a 61 or a 63 inch. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Huge. But yeah, a uh, different event that's kind of cool. You know, a lot of, not a lot of people get the experience going after sturgeon at all. And uh, they had perfect weather that night and the conditions were just right. And sturgeon were there for them and everyone had a good time. Awesome. Um, some other events that we do in Minnesota, we have um, the annu- annual Freedom Fighters Bow Fishing event. Um, our state director, Alicia Hinton, puts that on. That consists of anywhere between 20 to 25 uh, boats that go out. They do archery fishing. Uh, they go and spend a night on the water and um, go fishing with archery equipment. Have you tried bow fishing before? I have not done bow fishing myself. I heard it's really hard. It is such a like a fun trip, but it is quite challenging. Obviously, the water skews your vision on where you're supposed to be shooting. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and the carp themselves actually start to learn the patterns and the lights of the boats. Obviously, you're fish. You're going at night, and what's wild about it is the sturgeon. Oh, sorry, the sturgeon, the carp. Um, have learned no when they start seeing, yeah, no sturgeon. That would not be the right fish. To be that too. <laughs> um, no game fish. Uh, so no. the carp, um, they learn the pattern of the lights and they have adapted to running away from wow. the lights when they start to see them. Um, but what, one of my favorite parts of bow fishing, and if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't get a carp, it's still a blast. Um, is the game fish like, sunfish or bass or muskies or whatever, you'll see fish like sleeping on the bottom of the water. Oh, no kidding. And it looks like they're, some of them lay on their sides and they create these little sand beds. And I was with the guide and um, 
Edge Bow Fishing. Uh, Kurt, I believe, is the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Kurt actually helps out with our event. Oh, he does. Okay, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you go out bow fishing with um, Kurt, you're you're gonna have a really good time. But he was explaining that the fish are because I was like, are those? I mean, I was probably sounds like a dumb question, but I was like, are those fish dying? Like, what's going on? Why are they on their sides on the bottom? He said, no, they're sleeping. <laughs> That's wild. So I had like, no idea. Oh my goodness. You see muskies kind of like milling around. Um, but yes, the carp fishing is incredible. And um, the best part is obviously they're an invasive species. So, and they um, can multiply by the thousands very quickly and ruin, yeah. um, as you know, um, freshwater pretty fast. But they will grind them up and use them as garden fertilizer. So it's not like they're just going to waste. Um, they're used as fertilizer. So it's, it's you're kind of doing your part on conservation, but it's also a really good time. And um, if you can get one, it's it's kind of wild. I mean, even getting it into the boat is is wild. And they put them in a giant garbage bin. And you're like, yeah, their, um, their scales are so thick. It's like armor. Yeah. No, I, and I think, our, I think our people actually bring theirs to a turtle farm where they actually are raising turtles and all the fish go there. Oh, really? Do they, what yeah. do they do with the carp at a turtle farm? Uh, I think they just feed it to them and it helps with their, uh, their, their food sources for the farm. I, they also really? do with a mink, some mink farms in the area too. Interesting. Well, that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, okay. so they, get, they all do get used. You're not kidding. They, they get used. Yes, for sure. And we need to get them out of our, our lakes. Um, you know, you realize once you see all the dust, what happens, I believe, is they just from them, scurrying on the bottom they create they kick up all the sand off the bottom and it creates this very cloudy lake environment and then the plants don't get enough sunlight or something and it starts to kill off natural right. weeds and grasses and plants and things like that so um obviously you probably know more about that than i do but um anyway it's, you're, always, <laughs> you're always learning something when you go out with you know guides where they are such experts in their backyards that yep. um you come away with some incredible educational knowledge after an evening, even if you get a carp or not. Yeah. Small world too. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt's a phenomenal individual over at edge bowl fishing. He's been supporting that trip for five years now. Generally every year he provides our banquet as well. So pretty, awesome. pretty good person to get to know and give him some support back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Sorry, I interrupt your your list of events. Are there any other events that people, you know, if they want to get involved, if they want to volunteer, if um, they want to participate in the in some of these events, if they are, you know, yeah. So military, we have other events that go on across the country. You can go on our Facebook page, or if you fall within our member category, join. Um, but you can see the different adventures that we host. Uh, a big one that we do up in Eagle Bend, Minnesota, every year with Alan Laramore, we do a uh, competition barbecue uh, class for everyone. So they get to go up there and they get to learn how to do barbecue and do it at a professional level. Wow. Uh, that Yeah, that attracts a lot of people. I bet. And then Alan, actually, I got to give him a shout out. He actually does a lot of barbecue competition. He just took grand champion for his ribs. Uh, I think he's fourth in the country for his ribs. So he's a good really? person to know. Yeah. Okay. And Alan is the one, um, he's the chef barbecue rib master. Yep, he's, he's running he's the whole actually event. Our, yeah. He's our secretary for the board and he, um, is an individual that he is the person who started the whole Eagle Bend barbecue competition stuff. So. And he is third in the country. Uh, fourth. He's fourth for fourth his ribs. In the country. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Cause this, I mean, from my understanding, the, the barbecue competition countrywide is pretty I mean, that's steep competition. Yeah, he's uh, every weekend throughout the summer and seems like all of fall, he's gone somewhere doing some type of barbecue competition, but it's a family ordeal for him. So he gets to bring his wife and his kids with and they go they go around in their ice castle and get their uh, get their uh, smokers out and barbecue up some food for the competition. And um, he takes what he learns and goes back and teaches our members how to do it, which is pretty cool. That is so fun. Has he given you any tips on what it takes to have the best ribs? In the neighborhood. Yeah, I kind of have his full rib recipe. Do you? Uh, yeah. Uh, Is there so one secret ingredient in there that you're allowed to share? You don't. Have to you know, I was kind of. Su I was surprised at how much he actually used in there. Like I thought less was more, but there's actually quite a bit to it that kind of surprised me. So there's actually a couple different seasonings that we use. You know, and um, I used to do 
a barbecue where the ribs were the the three two one method. You know, three hours this way, two hours this way, one hour this way. But we do them all within uh, four to five hours. And uh, he did give me some good pointers. And the the secret is just the quality of the ribs, where you get your meat sure. from. Uh, we go through Anderson Barbecue out of Vadness Heights. He's a retired police officer, and he carries a, a line of hogs for the ribs, and it's called the Compart Family Farms. And they hold a uh, type of hog that has phenomenal ribs, and uh, the quality is everything when it comes to the type of meat that you have, which I've learned throughout this. So that's the one thing I've learned from Alan is, you know, don't, don't cut corners when it comes to quality. Absolutely not specifically with the meat. So if what makes a good quality rib, is there more meat on the rib or is there a little bit more fat content on the rib that just gives it more flavor? What, what's the secret behind the good quality ribs? That's a good question. I just know that these pigs are from Spain. I want to say they're called Duroc. Okay. Hogs. And uh, for some reason, these pigs are just top notch when it comes to having their meat, you know, so um, meat fat. I've made, yeah, you know, I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly what the secret is when it comes to Alan just got all these different types of spices and rubs and different types of barbecue sauces he uses. But, you know, at the very end, one thing I'd never really done, you know, was he glazes his, uh, his ribs at the very end for the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, he'll throw a glaze on it and. I never used to do that. I used to just keep it in the tin foil until the last, you know, couple minutes, take it off, let it rest, and then go to town. But that's one thing you taught me was those ribs, and then the glazing at the end was huge. All right. Two barbecue tips to write down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Those are, I mean, uh, those are good tips, too, because people are, like, real serious about their barbecue. Oh, it's getting bigger and bigger up here in Minnesota, too. From what I understand, it, you know, it's grown exponentially in the last couple of years, especially with COVID. You know, everyone's looking for something to do, but... Yeah, it was either that or banana bread. Like it was yeah, exactly. <laughs> or how banana improve your casserole, your hot dish, whatever yes. you want to call it up here. So yeah, let's get the barbecue going. I'm up for that. Yeah, the Alan's his uh, team name's Wrecking Crew Barbecue. So he's uh, if you follow him, you can see what he's got going on there. But he's uh, he's a character. He's a fun guy to watch and listen to. And he's from the south, so we don't hold that against him. No, well, you know, he's sharing his secrets, which is good to share those with the yeah, no, he's very open. Not as well versed in the barbecue quite yet, but we're getting there. Right. Yeah. What other events we got? Um, so we usually host an annual golf tournament. Um, that'll that happens usually early June. Uh, that is a day that is actually a pretty big fundraiser for our, our state of Minnesota. Some of our neighboring states, Wisconsin does one in the fall. Um uh, we have our banquet. Our banquet's March 25th. Um, we're holding at the same location as last year, Holman Field. That's the aviation hangar that Laura joined us in. Uh, it's a Minnesota National Guard hangar that uh, we had some Blackhawk Black Hawk helicopters present. Um, and we got about 330 people in there. We were able to showcase, you know, what the mission was and also bring um, up some highlights and give some awards out to individuals who have been helping us frequently. And then also uh, share the stories. The Minnesota History Center presents Sherlock Holmes, the Exhibition. Learn about the powers of observation and solve an interactive mystery while following the footsteps of the world's most famous detective. Learn more at mnhs.org slash SherlockMN. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota Central Region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. 
Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. One thing from the banquet, I have to give a shout out to your volunteers. So there was a list of 15 people that had a combined hours they of 15,000, over 15,000 hours that they've volunteered yeah. just from 15 people in your organization right. locally. Yep. That's yep. Impressive. And, and we can't do what we do without them. You know, if they weren't here, you know, we would just, it'd be eight of us on the board trying to move forward, you know, but it's really comes from our volunteer base and the amount of time that they pour into it. You know, these people have families, full-time jobs, other hobbies, but they turn around and they give us a lot of faith and they help us out and they help others out. So like I said, big sh- thousand hours. From fifty, pretty incredible. People. That's yeah, incredible. we have one hundred and forty people on staff now. So that is, and I, what date is your your banquet again? Because it's actually it's a fun banquet, and you have some of, um, the most incredible raffle prizes, door prizes, silent auction items. Um, I mean, we're any there was a lot of shotguns and rifles being, um, auctioned off, but also, um, hunting trips, tickets to the CMA awards. Um, yep. trips to Belize, all sorts of really, I mean, you guys did a really good job getting the, the auction items and the silent auction items together. Um, well, but thank you. It was a lot wanted, of work. I know. I'm sure it is a lot of work, but I was thoroughly impressed with the list of stuff that you had. It was, I mean, it was deep. You guys had a lot of stuff that you were, um, auctioning off and doing raffles and all sorts of things. But when is your banquet again this year? So people, if they want to attend. Yeah, it'll be March 25th. Uh, if you go to our website, it's not there yet, but it will be in the next couple months. Uh, you can get your tickets through our website. Um, this year, we're we're changing some stuff up just because every year we don't like to do the same thing over and over again. Just like to keep people guessing and know what's going on. But we have some pretty cool stuff coming up this year. Um, some of the items that we're going to do will be trips or adventures or giveaways again um, that you can put in on either a live auction, silent auction. There's some independent raffles that we'll have there. One of the things that we're looking to do is we're going to get some additional firearms there. Looking for a 4570. They're kind of hard to get right now, but we're doing our best to get one of those with a suppressor on it and then some ARs with some suppressors. Um, Silencer Central is hopefully getting involved a little bit deeper uh, with our with our uh, banquet this year. So um, right now we actually have a raffle that is going on until the same day. Um, so if you go to our website, there's a part that pops up on the top that uh, talks about our raffle. If you click that, it'll bring you to a website that is holding our, our online raffle that's out of Missouri, but it's national. And uh, the top two prizes, you can pick one or the other. One of them is a, a moose hunt in Alaska, or you can pick a brown bear hunt. So those what? are pretty incredible prizes. Yeah. And let's um, give your website out to listeners. Yeah. So it's www.hometownherooutdoors.org. Uh, if you Google it, it's probably the first one on the search engine. If you put in hometown hero, uh, it pops up pretty quick, but that pop-up will be in the top right part of our website when you go to it. Or if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see the links on there, but yeah, top prize is a, a moose hunt, or you can pick a brown bear hunt. The second place prize is a $5,500 hunt credit in Texas, either to cap rock waterfowl. Uh, they do a lot of hog hunting on different types of waterfowl, sandhill cranes. Um, and then, or you can go to Cisco D Ranch. Cisco D Ranch. They actually were at the banquet last year. I think you met them. Um, yes, I did. They were great. Yeah, really nice people, and they run a a, a really clean outfit in uh, West Texas, and it's a a ranch where they have exotics, and then they also have some whitetails that are there. So it's a pretty incredible uh, layout. I've been there myself, and a lot of these places that we put up there, you know, we won't partner up with them unless we've been there and see what they're all about before it. Cause our, our name and reputation is everything. So both of these outfits, Cap Rock and Cisco are great. Um, the third place prize is a, uh, Aleutian cast and blast, uh, with Charles Somerville. You can go for a week up to uh, cold Bay in the Aleutian islands and wow. go for salmon fishing throughout the daytime and then go waterfall hunting, you know, in the, in the mornings. So, uh, there's yeah, a, there's a bunch fun. of stuff. 
yeah, there's fifty thousand dollars worth of prizes on there, but that all all that funds go back to our mission and helping others. So, like I said before, no one really, no one at all takes any dime or commission out of any of this. It just goes back to our mission and moving it forward and helping others. Do you think that what makes your organization so different? Because there are a, I don't know if it's like a lot is the right word to use, but there are a few, you know, out nonprofit organizations that are helping veterans and getting them outdoors, you know, what sets you guys apart from, and all the organizations are good organizations. I'm not saying one's bad or not, but you know, how are you guys different in the way, you know, that makes you unique compared to, you know, some of the others? Cause you see a lot of them and I'm guessing from the general public, you're like, which one should I support? Um, Cause right. you know, everybody has limitations to how much they can support or where they want, they want their money and time to go. So what do you think is different about your organization? Uh, I think one of the few largest things that when we started the organization that we were very headstrong about was transparency. And sure. it's not that other organizations aren't, but I think we're very transparent and that's something that we push forward all the time. So one of the biggest questions that we always ask at board meetings or making decisions, you know, is, is this public? And the answer is yes, every time, you know, so it needs to be. Um, so if someone wants to request something from us, we're prompt. We have a rule that they need to get back with them in seven, 72 hours with an answer or any documents that they request. So the transparency is huge for us. Um, we didn't receive that with the last group we were with, and that was something that pushed us away. And I think that was uh, pretty paramount to creating an organization that has been successful, is being able to be responsive quickly and uh, with transparency. But also the fact that... Uh, I think a big part of it too is that none of us do make any money. Um, I want to say we're just finishing up our taxes for this last year. Um, but I want to say that our, our pro, uh, the money that we bring in that goes back to our mission is above 95%, mm. which is pretty incredible high compared yes. to most. Um, a lot of individual or a lot of these organizations out there, it's usually a 70 30 split or a 40 60 split. But ours is over ninety five percent for sure. So, um, so I would say it's higher. But I my my treasurer is not here next to me, so I can't. Sure. Say. <laughs> well, ninety five percent is pretty darn good. Um, and what do you hope is you know the goal or for the next years to come? I mean, I'm sure you want to grow this, and um, do you have more expansion in the future? Yeah, so right now we're just ensuring that all the states that we currently have across 26 are all where they need to be on par. Um, you know, we've created a couple more positions since we have grown. Uh, so management, we're just trying to ensure that all the pieces are there and that we're operating the right way before we expand to other states. But we do plan to go to all 50 at some point. And then the other part is we've been really trying to bolster our our response to mental health. So one of the big things that we started to do um, last year was create another layer of uh, service to our members. And that was through what we call the Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training. It's called ASSIST. It's actually uh, through a company called Living Works. Um, we started raising money and funds to put our field staff through this training. It's a two-day session where they get to do crisis intervention training. And in the event a member reaches out, or we've had it used with people who aren't members as well, they're able to actually do some crisis intervention with them and get them into a safe place. So mm. um, last year that started with, we have a local field staff uh, named Clint Lutz and Clint lost his brother to suicide. Who was a soldier uh, two years ago. Mm. So Clint came to us and said, we need to do something more. And we said, absolutely. So last year we started the Cole J Lutz Memorial walk with suicide awareness and PTSD awareness in Stillwater. We did the scenic loop. It's five and a half miles, um, and we raised about $25,000, which was phenomenal for our first year. And that, all that money was put towards training. So we were able to train 15 field staff across Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, one person from Colorado. And uh, the additional funds are applied to other states that we have. New England just hosted another uh, their own training for the ASSIST program. They put, uh, I think, five or six people through their program. And then Texas has one coming up in February where they're going to put at least 20 people through it. So we're just trying to add another layer to what we do. So we're able to bring our members out and get them to enjoy the outdoors. But when they come to us, what is our answer when they do say, I need help or I am suicidal? 
Mm-hmm. And this is this is our first step. Um, so we have the tools to respond appropriately. But the biggest thing that I want to continue to do is to bolster that program. Uh, we work really closely with Sergeant Major Chaffee out of the Minnesota National Guard here. And she's in charge of their uh, the National Guard Suicide Prevention Program. And I'm hoping to leverage her to run the program with us and for us. Um, And ultimately, I'd like to have a uh, psychologist on retainer with our organization to have another layer beyond our assist training that's a little deeper. Mm -hmm. That's That's incredible. Try to save lives. You know, that's the biggest thing about it all. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's the combination of meaningful relationships when you get outdoors with others that have... Um, probably have had some similar uh, situations where they understand the impact it has on you and also how healing nature can be just by being in it. And those two things combined with, um, you know, obviously the hard work you guys are all doing is, is incredible. And um, thank you for what you do on as a volunteer basis and to the entire organization um, to help others really um, just feel better and sometimes just get through a day. So um, I just want to say thank you for doing that because it's so important. No problem. No thanks needed. We enjoy doing it. Uh, Well, thank you for joining uh, Minnesota Bound Podcast today. I want to make sure uh, we once again let listeners know exactly where they can um, connect with Hometown Hero Outdoors um, for either if they want to volunteer or if they feel that they um, would enjoy an outdoor adventure or in need of some um, some camaraderie, then uh, I want people to be able to find you. So where we know your website is hometownherooutdoors.org, org, but I'm assuming you guys are on Facebook and Instagram. Where can they find you there? Yep, you can find us on Facebook under Hometown Hero Outdoors. Same with Instagram. Um, we're also on Twitter, LinkedIn. All of the above. Um, Our website is a good landing page for individuals who are interested in not only attending our trips as members, but also to volunteer. Or if you're looking to support us in any way, our our website has the ability to do all that. There's a a forms that you can fill out to volunteer. Um, If you want to get more involved, uh, generally we will um, get you in touch with the team lead for that area of what you're looking to do. Um, and there's also uh, donation buttons and we actually have our store with merchandise that's there as well. Um, but all of the social media icons are in the top right corner of that website. And then also quick reference to our raffle is up on the top as well. So Awesome. And if you want to see some uh, touching stories, you can also go to their YouTube channel. Uh, which showcases some of the amazing trips that they do and the impact it has on individuals and um, all the good work that you're doing. So thanks again, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on our podcast and uh, continue doing the good work that you guys do. Yeah, thanks for everything. And thanks for coming to the banquet. We'll get you there this next year too. Yes, would love to attend. It was so fun. Thanks again, Chris. And also thank you to our sponsors, Star Bank, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Minnesota Historical Society, Minnesota Propane Association, North Dakota Tourism, and Grain Belts Camo Pack. Last but not least, don't forget to introduce a kid or someone new to the great outdoors. (music) 